Hi, this is Sarah McCaslin, and I'm here with another Forgotten Sheep podcast. And in this podcast, we're talking about a missionary to China from England by the name of Miss Elizabeth Ann Wilson. Now, that is an English name if I ever heard one. Well, Elizabeth was brought up in a Christian home, and according to her mother, from the time she was a small child, she was very interested in the things of God. And while still quite young, she was very horrified to discover one day that there were people that didn't love Jesus, people that didn't love God. Now, that tells you a lot about her upbringing, that tells you a lot about conditions in her home, and tells you a lot about her church, and that she was rather sheltered. It also shows you the level of compassion that Elizabeth had for the lost, even from the time she was very young. Now, she became a Christian when she was 14 years old, and that's also when she dedicated her life to the Lord and basically told the Lord whatever it is that he wanted her to do, she was willing to do it, basically giving the Lord a blank check for him to decide exactly the direction her life would take. Her life didn't necessarily take the direction that she thought it would. Now, she started uh, working as a Sunday school teacher, and while she was still pretty young, she met J. Hudson Taylor. Now, he would go on to found the China Inland Mission. And at this time, um, Hudson Taylor wasn't a missionary yet. He was still in training, but he and Elizabeth attended the same church in prayer meetings in Tottenham, England. And his influence added more fuel to the fire that was burning in Elizabeth's heart. She felt that she was called to be a missionary, and she had a definite burden for China. Now, as Hudson Taylor graduated and started his work, she followed his adventures, his setbacks, and his triumphs with great interest. And she supported the China Inland Mission as much as she could. Now, by the time she was 20... Elizabeth had specifically promised the Lord that if he wanted her to be a missionary, she would be one. However, it wasn't quite time for Elizabeth to start missionary work yet. Now, I'd like to take just a few minutes and uh, talk about the China Inland Mission, the group that the group that Elizabeth felt a kinship to, that she had followed from the very beginning. They were known for being self-denying with a singleness of aim, devotional with a spirit of faith, of love, and humility. On the mission field, they were both economical and efficient and extremely practical, and one of their beliefs was that they should live as the people do, becoming all things unto all men, that some may be saved. Um... Through their efforts, they quickly had missionaries scattered across China, widely scattered across China. And one of the comments that was made about the China Inland Mission was that they are not generally educated men, and it should be said here men and women, because women formed an integral part of what was taking place with the China Inland Mission, but were men from humble laboring classes converted and brought out by the revivals in England, Ireland, and Scotland showing zeal and aptness to preach and labor for the salvation of souls. Now, I think this is kind of neat that a lot of the 
missionaries that joined the China Inland Mission, that fire had started in their hearts. That fire to be a missionary had started in their hearts as a result of revivals in England, Scotland, and in Ireland. Now, another thing that China Inland Mission was known for was its missionaries having a definite, definite willingness to rough it. They weren't afraid of harsh conditions. They weren't going to be upset if they had to live in a, a place that didn't have windows. Um, they were willing to eat what people ate. They, they were fine with um, eating a lot of white rice. They were fine with dressing like the people. They were fine with risking life and limb to go to unreached areas in China. They were not afraid of bandits. They were not afraid of robbers. I mean, these missionaries, this missionary group, they faced riots, okay? They faced um, attacks in the media against them. They weren't afraid of roughing it. They were, a, they were a tough bunch of missionaries. They really were, and I mean that in the best sense of the word. Now, another cool thing about the China Inland Mission, and this is where Elizabeth will play a role, is that they encouraged young single female missionaries rather than discriminating against them like most of the missionary groups at that time did. All right, so let's get back to Elizabeth. Um, called to missions, committed her life to God for this, and yet things weren't working out. She was the only child that hadn't left home and married. And so when all of a sudden her elderly parents got sick, the responsibility to care for them naturally fell on Elizabeth. Now, they got more and more ill. They eventually were in an invalid state, and they were completely dependent on Elizabeth to take care of them. Now, Elizabeth knew that her first responsibility before God was to make sure her parents were cared for. And so there she remained. She remained in place with her parents, taking care of them in their time of sickness for 30 years. 30 years she obeyed the Lord and remained where he had placed her. 30 years she watched as her dream of being a missionary seemed to drift further and further away. For 30 years she took care of them. While that call to be a missionary was still in her heart, was still drawing her, that yearning to reach the lost was still there, and yet she seemed fenced in by circumstances. Now, um, the Irish missionary to India, Amy Carmichael, once commented that the greatest form of obedience was to stay in place when we didn't know why the Lord wanted us to. And that, that is exactly what Elizabeth did. She stayed in place. The Bible tells us, He that is faithful, and that which is little, is faithful also in much. And to the eyes of the world, what Elizabeth was doing in taking care of her parents was little. But to the Lord Jesus Christ, 
That was a sure and definite sign that he could give her much larger responsibilities and she would be faithful to them. If we are not faithful in the little things, if we are not faithful to obey God when there will be no praise and there will be no recognition, if we are not faithful to obey God when nobody else knows, we will not be faithful when big things come along. It's those little things, those things in the privacy of our own home, those things in the privacy of our thoughts that make us who we are in the sight of God. It's not the show that we put on at church. It's not the show that we put on for our Christian friends. It is who we are when we are alone and by ourselves and no one knows what we're doing. That is what makes us who we are. And we need to look at our lives sometimes and say, Lord, am I being faithful in the little things? Am I being faithful to obey you in the things that other people would overlook? look, am I being faithful, Lord, when nobody else is watching? Am I being faithful, Lord, when I know no one else will find out what I'm doing? That, guys, that is true obedience to God. And if we want to be faithful in the big things, we have to have that habit of being faithful in the little things. We have to have that established pattern in our life of being faithful in the little things. And then when a big, huge temptation comes or a big, huge trial comes, we'll find ourse- we will find ourselves able to come through it with the grace of God because we have been proven faithful in the small things because we know how to ha- we've learned how to handle the small things with the Lord's help. But that's what Elizabeth was doing. She was being faithful in the little things. She was doing her duty for 30 long years. Well, no doubt her friend Hudson Taylor had started the China Inland Mission. No doubt some of the young women that she knew at church had gone to the mission field and she was left behind and yet she remained faithful in her responsibility and in her calling. I think too many times in the church world, we forget the importance of faithfulness before God, faithfulness in our obedience. We don't like to just think about the many miles that we have to spiritually walk on the flatlands. We like to think about the big mountains or the dramatic valleys. But guys, it's the Long hours in the flatlands that help us to survive the valleys and give us the grace not to grow prideful on the mountains. And so that's exactly what Elizabeth Wilson did. Well, after 30 years, both of her parents had passed away. And Elizabeth had not let that call of God die away in her heart. She hadn't let the fire of her love for God grow dim through uh, circumstances and all of that. She ended up going straight off, well, straight off, I imagine, as she could, to study at the Ladies Missionary Training Home, which belonged to the China Inland Mission. And after two years of study there, she was accepted by the China Inland Mission. Now, she was 50 years old when she arrived in China. She was far older than most, the age that most missionary groups would accept for a new missionary. Um, It was said that if you were over 30, that you would not be able to learn the Chinese language. Well, Elizabeth defied the odds. Um, 
They accepted her. The China Inland accepted her and sent her to China as a self-supporting missionary. She was what we would call a woman of independent means. And so she was able to go to the mission field at her own expense and support herself, which meant that she didn't end up being a financial burden on the China Inland Mission. Now, in the field, doing the uh, work of a missionary, finally, finally getting to do it, she was described as being uh, full of energy and brightness. She was referred to as unconsciously helpful. She was said to be a breath of fresh air to some of the missionary compounds that she visited. And she was considered courageous, earnest, devoted, wherever the need was greatest, there this woman would go. Well, when she arrived, she was 50 years old, as I said, and her hair was turning gray. Now, oddly enough, this is going to be a big benefit for Elizabeth, okay? The Lord had a purpose in waiting for so long before Elizabeth went to the mission field, okay? First off, Elizabeth would never have been as effective in China as she was if she had come as a young woman instead. Her gray hair was especially fascinating to the locals, especially the local uh, women. And they dubbed her elder sister and automatically assumed, because of the gray in her hair, that she was much older and therefore much wiser. And where other missionaries would struggle to gather a crowd when they would speak, the locals just gathered around Elizabeth and often they would beg her to talk with them and teach them because of the wisdom that they felt that she possessed. Now, her first year was spent in learning the Chinese language and becoming accustomed to its cultures and customs. Then she had an opportunity to accompany J. Hudson Taylor himself on a five-month tour of the missionary stations. And then she was uh, set up in the village of Hankow for three years where she worked. Then the, one of the big jobs that the Lord had waiting for her came up. A young couple, the kings, were preparing to head deeper into China, and they needed someone to hold down the fort. Now, one of the main issues with trying to get someone to where the kings were working was that it was going to be a long trip. Uh, it was going to be, from where Elizabeth was, it was going to be a thousand miles. However, Elizabeth was one of the first to volunteer. And she was an ideal candidate for this job. She was a mature woman. She was knowledgeable. She could take care of sick people. And being a older woman with gray hair, it made it a lot easier for her to travel without being suspected or questioned by the Chinese authorities. Now, another young lady also volunteered for the trip. Her name is Miss Fawcett. And so they got together and they prayed about it, about how the Lord wanted them to proceed with this trip. And they concluded that it was the Lord's will that they not take a European male escort with them. Uh, and by that, I mean, usually they would send a, uh, maybe a European official or probably more likely uh, an older man that was a missionary, a European missionary, to accompany them, to protect them and keep them safe to help them not end up getting on the wrong train, I guess, and, you know, those kind of things. There may have been a hint of sexism at work when the initial issue came up, but I can guarantee you that overall the China Inland Mission was not sexist. They were one of the first missionary groups to really encourage 
uh, female missionaries and single female missionaries. So they prayed and they felt like the Lord was saying, you don't need to take a European man along with you. They took a couple of Chinese Christians that were from the local area and that's it. And they headed out on this 1,000 mile trip. Now this act by two single female missionaries is said to have eclipsed all other frontier mission work in China to that day. People were amazed at this accomplishment by a middle-aged spinster and her young assistant. Uh, neither one was an experienced missionary, but they both had faith in God, and Elizabeth was very experienced in life, even if she didn't have a lot of experience on the mission field. But what happened is by them being able to navigate that 1,000 miles without any trouble, without being robbed, without being uh, attacked by robbers, without any major issues with the uh, local officials, without being mobbed by crowds that were curious about their appearance. By them being able to do this, it opened through open the door for other young women to begin to participate in pioneer missionary work. Now, there were a lot of difficult aspects to trips like this one, besides just the physical dangers. As I mentioned, it was not uncommon for missionaries to be accosted by very curious crowds that were fascinated by their appearance uh, because they didn't look like them. Um, one missionary lady reported having 500 visitors in one day asking her questions like, well, where is your husband? Are you married? How many children do you have? Where do you live? Where are you from? How old are you? Do you have brothers and sisters? Stuff like that. And also, there was no medical help for hundreds, if not thousands, of miles. And so if one of them got sick, they were pretty much, the, uh, this courageous pair were on their own. But again, uh, Elizabeth had a lot of medical knowledge from having worked with uh, her invalid parents for 30 years. And it also meant they were going to be separated from other uh, from other missionaries for extended period of time as they made this trip and yet the Lord preserved them and kept them throughout all of it and so this did a lot to change the attitude of missionary groups towards female missionaries they no longer saw single female missionaries as a a burden on the missionary group you know it was okay if you were married because you were supporting a man you were helping a male missionary you know and with a home and all of that well now they saw that these single young female missionaries could do pioneering missionary work that the lord had put his blessing on it the lord had protected them and so this opened up opportunities this opened up the um, eligible pool of uh people to become missionaries it was a tremendous accomplishment and it was an accomplishment that would not have been possible 30 years earlier because major factor in the success of this trip was elizabeth's age now i know to us 50 doesn't sound old it may sound old to you but it doesn't sound old to me and i know to some of my listeners it won't it was uh not young for a missionary and also, because of the gray in her hair, it lent her that air of being even older and of having wisdom. And the Chinese have a deep respect for wisdom and age in parts of their culture. And so that was an integral part of the success of this task that basically the Lord had given to Elizabeth.
Well, let's take a few minutes and talk about some of the other aspects of work that Elizabeth did in China. Uh, she spent eight years in Hanchung, and at one time, uh, Hudson Taylor and his wife had taken a, a practically adopted a little boy that had leprosy, and he had gotten saved, and he was a sweet kid, but they were going to be moving further inland to do pioneer missionary work, and it really wasn't safe for him. It really wasn't an environment that would be um, a good idea for such a young boy. And so they were looking for somebody to accompany him to another place to live. So Elizabeth, of course, why wouldn't it be Elizabeth? Always go where the need is greatest. She said, hey, I'll go with him. I'll accompany, accompany him on the trip. And she said that she really got a blessing out of it. Not only did she enjoy this young boy's company, but she thoroughly enjoyed hearing his testimony and witness. And uh, he would witness, he would witness and testify to crowds and tell them what the Lord had done in his heart. And she loved seeing and hearing that. And she loved seeing how crowds would respond to his story. Now, as I mentioned, uh, the that 1,000 mile trip to take over for the kings at their mission station. Well, Mrs. King got sick and she had a baby and then she died of typhoid and the baby died a year later and so there was a definite need there for medical care well elizabeth answered the call she was there to care for that woman in her uh dying day she was there to help with the baby she was there to help with the uh, family that was left behind you know things like cleaning and and cooking and looking after the kids she was there until other arrangements could be made so, once again, always ready to volunteer, always going where the need is the greatest. And, you know, that's a good, uh, a good example for us. As we hear Elizabeth's story, we see the spirit in her, the, the sweetness in her, that willingness to help. They called her being almost unconsciously, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry, almost unconsciously helpful. She just had a drive to be where people needed help and that that's a good thing uh, for us to follow in her footsteps with that and go where the need is greatest try to help where we can um and you notice the part about unconsciously helpful sometimes we can make people uncomfortable when we come on too strong about i'm going to help you Hers was almost unconscious. It was a, just a natural thing. It wasn't like, let me help you. Uh, it wasn't any pride in it. There wasn't anything of, well, you should be you know, thankful that I'm helping you. It wasn't any of that. It was just a quiet, sweet, helpful spirit. And I believe that comes from the Lord. And I believe the Lord would like to do that in our lives, too, where we can have that same quiet helpfulness to those that uh, are around us. Well... <clears throat> Elizabeth got sick, very, very sick, and they moved her to another part of China under a doctor's care. I believe his name was Dr. Cox, and she just kept getting sicker, and it was decided that she was going to have to return to England. And when this happened, J. Hudson Taylor wrote and said that he didn't know if it was in the Lord's will for Elizabeth to come back, but whatever happened, she had already been of immense blessing there in China. Well, Elizabeth said 
about her return to England. If she had been living for China, it would have been impossible for her to accept that she had to go home. However, she had been living her life for the Lord. Her love was not for the work, but rather her love was for the Lord. And that's something that is very easy for Christians to fall into when we've got some type of a work that we're doing for the Lord, whether it's small or great, whatever that work is, we have got to seek the Lord that he help us not allow that work to take the place of the Lord in our hearts and lives. Is our love for the Lord or is our love for the work? Are we doing the work for the sake of doing the work or are we doing it because we love God? And if we reach that point where we're doing it for the sake of the work or our love for our the work, the Christian work has eclipsed our love for God, then it's time for us to get on our knees and seek God that he would help us get <clears throat> our hearts and souls back in alignment with him because that's what he wants. And there's no shame in going to the Lord and telling him that this has happened. There's no shame in going to the Lord and saying, Lord, my love for you has grown cold and I don't want it to stay that way. He'll help us. He longs to help us. And remember, guys, the Lord is on our side. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to live holy lives. He wants us to be close to him. He wants us to have a relationship with him. And when we go to him open and honest and humble, he will help us. Now, as the illness grew worse, Elizabeth was concerned that it would cause her heart to grow cold, the, the sickness and the pain and everything. She was afraid that she would grow cold. And <clears throat> that was something that some of the saints of old also had concerns about when they would have a bout of illness or they would have to go to the hospital. Suddenly, you don't have any privacy anymore. You don't have somewhere you can go pray in private. When you get extremely ill, you're racked with pain, you have brain fog, you have constant interruptions from caregivers and family members, you're on medication that messes up your ability to think and concentrate, and as the pain goes on and on, you find yourself being grumpy and grouchy over little things, and yes, it can happen. But the Bible promises us that nothing can separate us from the love of God if we don't allow it to. And so Elizabeth made up her mind in her illness that she was not going to allow it to destroy or compromise. That's a good word. It would, she would not allow it to compromise her relationship with God. She would not allow it to cause her to grow cold. And if anything, it said that she sought the Lord even more fervently after she was sick than she did before. When the pain would be such that she couldn't sleep at night, she would spend that time in prayer. And as she became increasingly ill, uh, one of the major areas of issue was her throat. And it was extremely painful for her to speak. And yet still she insisted on praying out loud. And as the time of her death began to draw near, the pain, she said it was just unbearable. And she prayed and asked that the, her friends would pray for her that she could bear the pain. And then again, time it, the time is drawing closer and closer to her passing. And she asks her friends to pray that 
her last few hours can be spent rightly. She wanted her last few hours on this earth to glorify God. Up to the very end, she wanted her life to please God. And they said that uh, Elizabeth's, up up until the moment of her death, Uh, Elizabeth was praying what a wonderful testimony what a wonderful woman of God who faithfully served the Lord in caring for her parents for 30 years then had an opportunity to go to China finally what she had dreamed of and there because of her age she had another opportunity to make a huge advancement for female missionaries and then she sent home to England sent home to England to die and even in that because she was so committed to the Lord because she loved the Lord so much because she had learned to trust God in spite of circumstances she knew that the Lord was doing what was best she trusted the Lord even though she might not understand she trusted the Lord and she accepted it and then she was able to still draw close to the Lord even Uh, even in her time of illness. And so I hope you guys enjoyed the story of Miss Elizabeth Wilson, one of the lesser-known missionaries who worked with the China Inland Mission. And I hope it encourages you like it did me. And I hope it also encourages all of us to remember that the Lord has a reason for His timing. And we might not ever understand it in this life. But the Lord has a very good reason, and he knows what he's doing. He's not trying to be malicious. He's not trying to uh, try to break us or anything like that. In that sense of the word, he knows what he's doing, and it will be in our best interest to do like Elizabeth and trust him and be faithful. Be faithful in the valley. Be faithful on the mountaintop. And be faithful in the plains where day after day of monotony be faithful in those times too. So I thank you for listening. This has been Sarah McCaslin with the Forgotten Sheep Podcast.